eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back, folks, here on the Michigan Basketball Insider with a special guest. He's been our guest, I think, two or three times, at least twice before, but the first time on camera. And certainly our first time talking to him since he announced he will be back for his third year. The big fella is back in the building. Tim McCormick, we got Hunter Dickinson with us. Hunter, welcome, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my Mount Rushmore of Michigan big men, Juwan Howard, Chris Weber, Phil Hubbard, and Hunter Dickinson. Hunter, thanks so much for being here. Um, I, I hope you're enjoying your spring, and and we're so happy that you're coming back next year. Um, I remember last September, you and I had a great conversation at the basketball tailgate before Northern Illinois, and you shared that that you were leaving for the NBA after this past season. Uh, what what is the main reason you came back? How did you go through that process? First, Tim, you got you got to throw yourself, you know, on the Mount Rushmore, man. I know you're trying to be humble. You got to throw yourself on there for sure. I, I visited Mount Rushmore. I've seen it, but I, I've, I'm not on it. <laughs> but um, I, I think you know, yeah. Um, I always tell people if you told me, you know, at the beginning of the season last year about me coming back for another year, I would have told you you're crazy. But um, you know, I think with NLI um, being able to, you know make money and still be in college, I think is the best of both worlds. Um, for me, especially, you know, me thinking long-term to be able to have another year in college, to be able to develop and just, you know, be even more ready for the NBA. Um, you know, I, I know eventually at some point I'm going to play in the NBA. Um, it could have been last year, could have could have been this year, but I just feel like with me, I want to be as ready as possible. Um, I don't want to, like, however ready I'm, I'm going to be able to be after this year is going to be, you know, as good as I can get. Um, hopefully just with the teachings of Jawan and the rest of the coaching staff, just um, being with Sandman for another year, I feel like another year of just developing my game and my body will um, definitely pay dividends for me next year. Hunter, your journey reminds me a little bit of Luca Garza. I know you guys are close. Um, I spoke to Luca this year and he said, he said Hunter is flat out an NBA player. Um, you've been all Big Ten twice. You've been an All-American. What areas are are you working on that we may see an improvement next year? I mean, obviously, you know, I want to get my three-point percentage up. Um, I knew 32% was like, I feel like going to be like the minimum of what I was going to shoot this year. That's what I thought going into the season. And, you know, on Spoho, I got like 32.8 or something like that. And so 
I was pretty on with that, but I feel like another year of just being in the gym, getting shots up, um, I would definitely like to see myself above 35 at least. You know, hopefully in the 40% range um, is a big goal of mine. Um, you know, offensively, just continuing to fine-tune things, you know, getting more moves in the low block, being, you know, more advanced with that. And then, um, you know, with the mid-range jump shot, I see a lot of good bigs in the NBA utilizing that a lot. Um, it's just like an easy, easier way to score without, you know, doing so much banging and, you know, a lot of wear and tear in your body. It's a nice way to get some extra points without, you know, having to work too hard. So that's another area that I think offensively I'm definitely focusing on. And then defensively, I think the biggest thing I'd probably work on is being a rim protector. I think last year in the beginning of the season, I was just a little bit more passive with, you know, being a rim protector. And I think towards the end of the season is when I really started to become, you know, I try, I try to focus more on it. And I feel like I was able to get more blocks and be more disruptive down there. So that's something that I'm going to try to focus on from the jump and try to make big improvements, trying to get at least, I'd say, two and a half blocks per game is, like, I think, a good goal for me. You know, Hunter, watching your the evolution of your game, I, I sort of expect that. I watched you in high school shoot threes a little more than you shot your freshman year. So I felt like that was going to come along know how hard you work on your on your low post game the part that i was wondering about and we started to see more of is you as a vocal leader talked a lot to phil about that and he said they challenged you to to be a guy that would be the accountability guy to sort of get on teammates so obviously pat them on the back but get on them at the same time to sort of will them give them confidence at, at times how much of an adjustment was that for you last year yeah i think you know before last year um you know my freshman year I was able to, you know, just be like a follower. Uh, you know, we had so much veteran leadership um, with guys, and we had a, such an old team that, you know, I was able to be a freshman and, you know, just have to, you know, follow what everybody else was doing. But then this year, you know, being a sophomore, usually you're still kind of in that role of following somebody. But, you know, given the team dynamic, I was thrust into being, you know, one of the leaders on the team. And it was something that, you know, I had definitely had to deal with, um, something that, I definitely had to improve in and work on as the season went on. Um, went on, and it's something that I think I definitely, um, you know, grow grew in, and something that I know I'll need for next year. Um, given that I'll be one of the oldest, um, one of the old elder statesmen on the team. It's crazy how I'll I'll already be a junior, but um, I know I'll be expected um, to lead next year, and so that's something that you know, in this day and age, is kind of hard for guys because it's like. You, know, you want to be so buddy buddy with people and you know you don't want to make a lot of people upset but um you know in this profession um you know leaders have to hold other people accountable and so you know it's definitely a like a give and pull type thing um and so for me it's just all about trying to learn i guess you know even more about how to how to lead and i feel like i've gotten a good uh taste of that from guys who've came before me and so you know i I, I hope to, you know, be able to fill their shoes next year. What what specifically what was Jawan saying to you, for instance, to to get more of that? Like, was was he telling you in specific situations, hey Hunter, I need you to go talk to the team, or was that more you taking it upon yourself after hearing it early in the season, taking it upon yourself over the course of the year, knowing when you need to speak more, when you need to do more to kind of bring your teammates along? Yeah, I definitely tried to, you know, take it upon myself and, you know, try to do it like try to self-teach myself. But I think, you know, towards the end of the season, um, you know, they just 
I guess Coach Howard and you know the rest of the coaching staff just you know thought that like they, I needed I needed to do it even more, and so you know they would give me instances of where they thought I should step up and you know say stuff and you know kind of teach people and try to lead, and so they did. It was a little bit of both, um, you know, my own tuition and then also you know the coaching staff stepping in and telling me trying to teach um, me themselves on how to you know step in when I need when I need to. Hunter, the, the roster is in no way finalized, um, but w- what is the ceiling for this team next season? And we're anxious to see the young guys, but you you know firsthand, who's the breakout star? Who's the guy we can get really excited about? Yeah, um, like you said, you know, the roster isn't fully, um, I guess, completed yet. You know, there's still moving parts, and, you know, you don't know what some players are going to do. You know, you got Musa and Caleb who – you know, testing the wires and see, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, but I think, you know, one guy that I think everybody on the team and the coaching staff is definitely expecting to make a big leap is Kobe. Um, I mean, obviously you can see the potential that he has, um, you know, the skill set, everything like that. He's got it all. I think it's just a matter of, you know, him putting it together. And I think another year, um, you know, in the Big Ten, I think you'll see him to get a lot more comfortable um, in his own game and just, I think the game will really slow down for him like it did for me. You know, even as a freshman going into my sophomore year, I could just tell the game was a little bit different of a speed. Like it just kind of all slowed down and, you know, it made it a lot easier for me. And so I think the same thing will happen for him. And I'm expecting a big sophomore campaign for him. I like the Hunter Dickinson that that's growling at opponents and dunking on people and staring at the other team's bench. Um, who do you hate? In the big ten, is there a team that really gets you going? Who's that team? Oh man, I, I'm, I'm doing a better job of these interviews. I'm not, I'm not really giving myself up anymore. Uh, I mean, like the, the easiest answer is obviously like Michigan State because it's just like you know you can just tell like it's it's hard to explain to other people. I mean, like Tim, you know, because you played in it, but it's like it's it's hard to explain to other people like what that kind of rivalry is like. Like, you kind of have to be in the game to realize, like, how much, like, the teams don't like each other. Like, like the freshmen, the freshmen, I remember we were trying to tell them, like, the first game um, before it got canceled, it was, like, around New Year's. And, like, we were trying to – we had, like, a three-day buildup to it. And, like, each day the coaching staff and the players were trying to, like, like tell the freshmen and, and Devontae, like, how much this game means and like how much we don't like them and they don't like us. And the game happened. And it's kind of like, they kind of got it. But by the second time it was like every, like even the freshmen knew like, yeah, man, like we, we just don't like them and they don't like us. And it's just like a, it's like, it's like that kind of game. And I mean, that, that's an easy one, but like, that's just the most obvious answer. Obviously it's just like, they don't like us and they, and we don't like them. And that's, that's as simple as you can put it. So when you, when you make a bucket and you turn to the bench, are you responding to something that someone on the bench has said to you? Or is that just a gratuitous, hey, y'all want some? I got I'm gonna give y'all some. I, what is it? Like what what prompts that when you turn around? What do you say when you turn around? I mean, so sometimes like on some jump shots, sometimes you know, like I'll hear like a coach or somebody on the bench be like short or off or something like that. And then I'll say something, I'll let them know if I make it, but Usually it's me just, you know, starting something up because, like, that's just how I stay. Like, that's how I get into the game. That's how I'm, like, energetic and focused. Like, 
some like I don't want to say I get bored out there, but it's like sometimes like you're like my mind can just wander during the game. And it's like when I'm doing that kind of stuff, like I stay locked in and I'm like laser laser, laser focused on the game. And so that that's kind of why I do it. Um, you know, the Michigan State game, you know, that was fun. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. I was like, it was a fun game for me. I just feel like, you know, the way we played, um, we needed that game badly. And, you know, the guys really stepped up that game. And I, I just feel like it was a really good win for us. So I know players talk, you know, whether they're on the on the court or on the on the sideline, but do coaches talk to you during games? Nah, nah, nah <laughs> not unless I say something first. No, nah, they did. No, not not in the Big Ten. The Big Ten coaches are pretty chill. Like they're all pretty cool. Um, I've met, or like at least had like a handshake with most of them. I mean, they're all they're all pretty good guys. I feel like you know I got some more more that I know more than others. Like I know Fran McCaffrey pretty well. He's a really cool guy. I, I like him a lot. I respect him a lot. And so, I mean, like I, I'll joke with him actually during the game. I remember him. I was joking with him during one of the games. I was joking with uh, Coach Hoyberg at Nebraska one game and then a couple other coaches. I, I, I'll i mess with them a little bit, but, like, it'll be, like, funny stuff. It's not, it's not anything serious or anything. Hunter, I, I I know another coach that can talk a little bit, and that's Juwan Howard. I, um, I've enjoyed watching you guys in practice where he's banging with you at 50 years old. Um, do, do, is there any talk during that time? That, like, does he really feel like he can stop you? Or is that unrealistic? And I, I want you to go back and try to imagine, could Juwan Howard in his prime versus you right now, how does that match up look? I want to hear both answers. Man, in, in practice, I, I I really do think he can, like, give – I really do think he thinks he can give us some buckets. Like, he has a body now. I'm not going to lie. Like, he has a big body. Like, he's got some weight behind him and some strength, like some old man strength. I feel like he's, he's at that age where he's got that old man strength now. And so he's – He's not light at all. Like he, he was definitely banging with us and giving us some bump. But nah, man, not now. It's now. It's it, it's too far behind his years now. In his prime, I'll give it to him. It'll be it'll be a it'll be a game in his prime for sure. I'll all give right. it to him. I'll, I'll give him some credit. It'll be a game for sure. Listen, don't underestimate old man strength. Okay, it's <laughs> it's it's there and it's real. Um, and I. I know you're enjoying college and I remember seeing you at the Michigan Ohio state football game and you know, you're a big man on campus and enjoy that environment. Where were you that day? What, you know, where were you sitting? What do you remember? Was that just one of the, the highlights of your career so far? Oh man. I remember oh, that game. I'll never forget that game. I remember we had a workout early in the morning because Jawan had to go to like, I think we had some recruits and Juwan had to go on um, game day. And so our thing was at like 8 a.m. We never work out that early. So it was like that. I remember I was kind of like in a mood that morning. I didn't really want like something happened in the workout where I was like, I got in the mood and I wasn't really feeling it that day. I was, that was just wasn't, wasn't my day. So I, was just, I couldn't wait to get out of there. And then everybody was like hyped up for the game. We had people who like a lot of the players on the team would go to the football games but we had some that everybody went to that game. And so it was really fun. Um, I remember like getting, it was snowing. And so like you're going down to your seats and I still got videos on my phone where it was like, it was just snow. It, it, it looked like out of a movie. And so I was sitting like right behind the goalpost, um, like facing, um, like facing away. I was sitting behind the goalpost 
I don't know how to describe it, but I, was, I had some pretty good seats. I, I'm able to finesse some good seats down there for the games. And so for me, that game was insane. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was kind of nervous the whole game. I was like, man. And like, like we were up, but I was still nervous because I was like, man, we I know we need this win, like, just for the program, the football program, but, like, Michigan as a whole. Like, I, like I knew how big that game was for us. And for us to win it, uh, it was so amazing. I remember I was, like, one of the first on the field. I – I, I jumped on there real fast, and my brothers and everybody was with me, and it was a great day. It was just, it was an amazing day, and then the night, of course, everybody had fun after that, and so it was, it was, it was a day I'll never forget for sure. Are are you tight with any of the football players? Who are who are your boys on the team? Maybe some DMV guys. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely uh, know a couple of DMV guys. People I'm closest with are probably like the linemen. For like, I'm pretty close with all the linemen. I'll see them out and about. And I, I feel like I'm pretty cool with them, like Braden McGregor, Zach Zinner, um, you know, O-line, D-line. I'm cool with those guys. Aiden, um, those guys are pretty cool to hang out with. And so I, I like hanging out with them. So Olu Oluwatimi is a Damatha guy. Did you? Did yeah. You know I, I haven't, I haven't um, got the opportunity to hang out with him since he's been here. But, yeah, no, I remember him at Damatha for sure. Um, him and Chase Young and all those guys, they were great that, that year um, at Damatha. But, yeah. I'm excited. I was. I told him. I remember when he came here on a visit. It was before one of the basketball games, and you know, when, once I found out that he committed, I was really happy for him. You know, be able to have another Dematha guy experience the Michigan education and just the lifestyle. I know he'll have a lot of fun here, and hopefully, a lot of success on the football field. So, speaking of of DMV, your DMV brother on the squad, T. Will, you couldn't help but notice the work he did last off season, right? I mean, his, his jumper was, it, it was so much better. He was a, a reliable shooter. What do you see him in the lab sort of focused on? And what should we expect? What do you expect uh, T will to bring to the table next year? I mean, T will has always been a shooter. Like, you know, ever since he start, first started shooting threes and like, I remember like it was like in the seventh grade, he, like I, he was shooting his first threes I turned to his dad. I was like, man, he's shooting threes. He's like, yeah, we're working on it. And so ever since, like, especially in, like, high school and stuff like that, he was a really good shooter. Um, I think last year it was just a matter of, like, confidence, you know, being a guy who, you know, you didn't know what you were going to expect. Um, going into the game, you might play, you might not play. And so I think that adjustment for him was kind of difficult. I think it would be difficult for anybody, really. Right. And so for him to be able to kind of know a little bit more about his role last year, or this year that just happened, I think was really helpful for him knowing that he's going to play every game and be able to, you know, contribute and, you know, obviously affect the game with his shooting and just overall toughness. I think this year, you know, he's going to try to work on his ball handling um, over the summer and really become, you know, fine-tuned with that, be able to be more of a creator offensively instead of just, you know, a spot-up three guy. And so that and just, you know, being able to guard, I think those are the two biggest things that, you know, he's working on trying to, you know, become more versatile defensively and then offensively as well with the ball handling. I think, you know, you can definitely expect some big things from him because, you know, he's a ball player. Um, he's a guy that you want on your team. He just makes you better and um, a freer's competitor that I love having out there. Hunter, you, you mentioned earlier that part of your decision to come back is based on NIL. I'm fascinated by this. You're an NIL pioneer. You're, you're one of the first ones to hit it big. Um, are you out there on your own? Does the school help you? Do you have an agent? How, how does the process look and what insight, maybe something that nobody really knows about the NIL process that you can share? 
the NLL process is pretty difficult. I'm not going to lie. Like, especially during the season, like it can be overwhelming because you got like contracts that you're trying to sign. Like you got to be aware of like um, obligations that, you know, the companies are holding you up to because it's like you got to post something or something like that. Like I remember I had to post something like the night before a game. Um, I know before the Villanova game, like a company hit me up like the day before, like early, early day, the day before the game. And like, yeah, we'll give you this if you post this video. Hmm. I was like, shoot, I can't, I can't, I can't mess up on that. So I got to, I did it, but it it can get overwhelming. Um, I have a guy, a group last year. I had a guy help me with it, but I also had like people bringing me deals and stuff like that. But this year I'll sign a group of people. Um, a, a marketing group and they'll help me out um, with like facilitating deals, bringing me deals, um, helping me like negotiate and, you know, like look at the contracts and stuff like that, make sure they're all in my favor. Um, and then I think the heart of the people thing, the thing that people don't know would probably be like Michigan really doesn't help us um, at all. They don't um, like, they're not like Jawan and them aren't allowed to kind of like bring us stuff like that, which, I think doesn't make any sense. Like in this day and age, like, you know, there's no way a guy commits in his, in, in his NIL deal is like disclosed on Twitter (laughs) like an hour after, like they didn't work that fast. They did not work that fast. Like it was definitely put into place before he got there and he wasn't going around asking, you know, that, that play, that place in Miami, you know, like, hey, like, if I commit here, do you want to do something? It was definitely put in place for him to commit, and the deal was going to be the deal. I just think Michigan, in that sense, is so far behind because it's like you're never going to get a top 10 player again unless you're able to provide NIL for him. Like, why, if I'm the number one player in the country for basketball or football, why would I come to Michigan where they're saying they have, like, the, the potential for you to get something when – I'm at Alabama for football or if I'm at 10 Kentucky for basketball. And they're like, no, you commit here. And this deal is like, you can sign it right after you sign the letter for a million dollars. Like I would never come to Michigan if that's the case. Like they're going to lose out on so many players if they don't start stepping up to the plate. Like I feel bad for coach Jawan and coach Harbaugh. Cause it's like, like they're trying, like, it's not like, it's not their fault. The coaches are trying for sure. I mean, I, I, I know for a fact Juwan and Coach Harbaugh are trying and pleading with, you know, the social, the um, administration, but it's just like at some like at some point they're going to realize that, you know, you either got to be all in or you're not going to get anybody. And so that's that's my take on it. I feel like, you know, I I want Michigan to be great. I want them to be able to get, you know, everybody they can. I want us to be the number one school for every sport and be able to get everybody. I feel like we have the potential. I feel like NIL is the perfect thing for us because it's like we have the best alumni in the world. And so it's like, why not be able to use that? You know, if we have all these great facilities, you know, it's like we have the, we, we have so many donors instead of a donor donating 20 million to, you don't know what, why don't he donate 18 million and then 2 million to the basketball team? And you're able to pay and get a number a top five team in the country. And you still have that great facility, but you also have a top five team in the country that you can also win and put people in the seats and be able to show off that success. I just think 
you know, that's something that I wish Michigan would do better. And I feel like eventually they're going to, you know, have to move in that, that space. Hunter, I told you 10 to 12 minutes, man. This is too good. I can't, I can't, I can't let you walk away right now. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I'm just kind of curious. I'm trying to imagine the, the, the life of the big man on campus, you know, you're walking through the diag. What is a typical day like for you? And are you just bombarded with autograph seekers and people that want to say hi? What What's it like being Hunter Dickinson on Michigan's campus? Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Like, at first, it was really fun. Like, I mean, who doesn't like being loved around campus? It's really fun. Now it's like I'm starting to try to develop the incognito. I'm trying to move around. <laughs> I got to hear about that one. How, how do you do that? I'm trying to just move around more secretly, man, walk around with a hood on and stuff like that, you know. I mean, obviously, like, I enjoy people, you know, coming up to me and, like, one autograph and stuff like that's better than them, you know, coming up and booing you or something like that. And so, you know, I, I always I always appreciate it. Um, you know, a typical day for me is, you know, walking to class. If I, if I do it right, I probably won't get stopped. But, you know, it depends on where I walk and, you know, how I'm doing. Excuse me. But, like, I, it's really get bad when, like, there's a when I when I enter like a group of Michigan fans, like if I go to a game, like a sports game around campus or I go to Detroit for a game, like those is when it gets bad. And but I mean like Michigan fans are crazy. I mean, that's why I like them. Like they're a little crazy and that's a good thing. Like you can see it on Twitter. We can we get we're we're crazy. We're a crazy fan base, but hey, I like it. It's better than being, you know, like a, a boring fan base. And so it's it's fun, you know, the the I guess like attraction can be a little um, like annoying sometimes, but I mean I can I can deal with it. My last couple for you, Hunter. I want to go back to you talking about Nigel Pack transfer from Kansas State to Miami, four hundred stacks a year and a car, and the company announces it on Twitter. It made me wonder how much of a consideration for portal guys. I mean, is it really one of those things where? Not only are they looking at the school, they're looking at playing with a Hunter Dickinson. They're also weighing on the table NIL opportunities versus the prospect of them. Is that a, a real thing from portal guys that guys that are in a portal that maybe you know or talk to? Yeah, I mean, like nowadays, I feel like that's one of the first things that will come up. Like I know I definitely have friends in the portal and they're like, people are offering me this, people are offering me that. Like, I def decisions will definitely be made based off just NIL and that can be a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, you know, you don't like that could be a bad thing because it's like people will go places strictly off NIL and not think of anything else. Um, and so I just hope guys really consider, you know, the full picture of, um, you know, the recruitment because guys can get sucked into a deal and you don't even realize that you're in a system in a, area in a place that you don't even like and you find yourself there for four years i mean it's it won't be a fun experience for you and so i just i just hope guys you know obviously taking the full experience not just focus on the nil because you know if you if you do it right and your team wins enough i feel like um you know any like you'll be able to make your money at some point regardless and then my last one 
So, Hunter, we, we know the focal point you are on the court, in the locker room, in workouts. But what about as a recruiter? I mean, is it one of those things where they unleash you once a guy gets on campus and they want you with a guy? Or or if it's a portal guy, is that guy reaching out to you, uh, you know, without the coaches? Are you reaching out to him? And same thing with, with guys back in the DMV. I mean, Michigan is recruiting out the hell out of the DMV, basketball and football. Are those pe- are those players reaching out to you, or are coaches coming to you saying, "Hey, reach out to this guy or that guy for me"? Hey, man, they, they call me the closer around here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for sure, like portal wise, definitely reaching out to people. Um, if I if I hear like they're they're thinking about us, or if they just hit the portal, especially if they're about to take a visit, you know, they they, they definitely. I guess, like you said, unleash me once they get to campus. Yeah, yeah. No, I make sure they have a good time. Make sure they see, you know, the good parts of Ann Arbor and and everything Michigan has to offer. And so, yeah. Um, and the portal wise, for sure, I'm definitely one of the lead recruiters they got around here. Um, but in terms of like high school recruiting, yeah, I always, you know, whenever I'm back home or I'm on social media or texting, you know, one of the one of my younger guys, I always try to tell them about Michigan. I feel like Michigan is, you know, an amazing place. Um, even though, you know, I I talk bad about some NIL stuff and, you know, how they do that, I still believe that Michigan is, you know, a, a unique, unique university. I feel like there's no other university out there like us to be able to kind of just come to Michigan, you know, not knowing anything about it and come in here and the people really embracing me. I feel like I'm a Michigan native. Uh, I'm an honorary Tigers fan, as I say. Um, and I just feel like, you know, with the education and, you know, having Jawan Howard here, like there's really not, you know, a ton of schools that can kind of stack up to this experience. And so I'm just I'm really happy with, you know, my decision to come to Michigan. And I just try to, you know, tell tell other um, younger guys about my experience and, you know, try to get them to experience what I'm experiencing now. I have two real quick ones to close. Um, Musa and Caleb are going to test the waters. You've already gone through that process. Did they ask you about it? Did you have any advice for them? Um, and if if not, what can they expect? Yeah, no, I remember um, I would tell them all the time because, I mean, you kind of understood. You kind of assumed that they were going to do this. And so, yeah, I would tell them all the time about what, you know, my experiences were like you know, the workouts, working out for NBA teams. I just, I told them how fun it was, but definitely how much of a grind it was. Like you're going to be in the summer, really not having a life pretty much. You're just in there grinding every day, trying to perfect your craft, trying to get, you know, the best shape, best skill that you've ever been in in your life. And so it's a grind, but I just had so much fun with it last year that, you know, I hope they'll be able to have the same amount of fun and, you know, see where, that kind of whole experience takes them. Final question. When you look back on your, your two years at Michigan, what is the number one moment that just makes you smile? It was, it was a thrill. You'll never forget it. What was that one moment? Man, 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 man. That's on the court. Yep. On the court. I would say, Ooh, man, that's a tough one. Um, Probably is there one off the court? I want to hear that one too. That you can share. The off, <laughs> off the court was definitely Ohio State, but on the court, I'd probably just have to. I want to say the Tennessee game. That was just such a special win for us. I feel like, you know, 
it was just so fun how we won and really just played together. But I have to do the Big Ten championship game versus Michigan State. Um, how, you know, it was we were fortunate enough that it was them. Uh, we were able to play them to kind of close out the season and to be able to be crowned Big Ten champs. I think that game was so special. I had a lot of fun that game. Just I'd probably say that game, you know, the memories that were made just to close out such a special season. I'd say that game for sure. Right. Hunter, you're um you you're on the way to being a legend. And I bet there are times you look up in the rafters and you see Bill Bunton and Rudy Tomjanovich and and Phil Hubbard and Glenn. Do you ever think about your name up there? I'm not gonna lie to every every day in practice. You look up there and you imagine someday that that Hunter Dickinson will be there. Every day, yeah, every day. Hey man, well, big fella, we appreciate you. I just appreciate, man, that you you're a regular dude. Like as big as big time as you are, regular guy, man. Appreciate that. I remember I was with Julius Marble. We were in um we were hanging out on a Saturday and we we were together and he was telling me, I was like, man, he was like, Man, I really want to hate you, but you're you're a really cool guy. I was like, Man, that's what people don't know about me, too, man. That's what people don't know. (laughs) All right, Hunter. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hunter. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wow, Tim. It was great to catch up with Hunter. It was, uh, it's always awesome when we have him on. Like I said, I think we've had him on, I know at least twice, but maybe three times, but this was fire to have the big fellow on with us right after he decided to come back. I still have this image of him trying to hide incognito as he crosses the diag walk in the class. That's, that's wow. not going to happen. Right. Um, you know, Sam, when I think of Hunter, I really like him a lot. And I think him returning just guarantees that this is a, a top 10, top 15 team. Um, everybody has their own path. And sometimes it's affected by injuries or a lack of playing time or maybe your skill set's not exactly what the NBA wants. But his decision is mature. And it's the right one. He's got a, a big opportunity to get bigger and stronger and faster, to work on his skill set, to get his degree, maybe even a master's, um, to build lifelong friends, to create that that brand that 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 is is legendary. And then how about go ahead and lead your team to a final four? And and just like you said, someday he might see his his, his uniform up in the rafters. Yeah, you know, he's a and what he said at the end about uh about Marble at Michigan State. It's like, man, I want to hate you, but but I can't because he's he's one of those guys that you that other teams don't like, but they respect. It's not like a, a Grayson Allen hate or a Brad Davison hate where those dudes are just dirty. It's more like a Christian Leitner hate 
where you know that dude's good uh, and you hate him because he's good but and you hate him because he talks trash but you respect his game i'm not saying he's christian later but you get my point no doubt and he plays the right way he plays hard he, he's really just he's flat out a, a, a star player one of the best that michigan's ever had yeah no doubt all right so tim he he raised some issues that we've talked a lot about uh, recruiting, the transfer portal, NIL. Uh, he definitely gave you a player perspective on it that made you sort of see what some of the challenges are going to be for Michigan moving forward. Yeah, he did. And and I'm not surprised that he's the closer because that's his personality. And there's a lot of opportunity for teams. The, the whole landscape of college basketball has changed. And when he mentioned the transfer portal, Sam, did you realize there are 283 college basketball players right now in the portal? That includes 23 guys from the Big Ten. And, and it's it's such a challenge to go out there and, and get the right guys. And so I know that Juwan Howard and his staff's number one priority is to get those high character guys. You know, Mike Smith and Sean D. Brown, uh, Devontae Jones, they, they were really good. They, they were uh, high quality. They wanted to win. They were there for the right reasons. They were academic guys. And I, it bothers me to think that in a lot of these transfer portal cases, the top players are walking on campus. And the first question they ask is, how much do I get? You know, they, they don't care about where the library is at or do you have, um, you know, the type of major I want or what my credits transfer they they only want the cash and i hate that but there's an opportunity for michigan by doing it the right way to get those players that are a perfect fit yeah look i i think it you know it it doesn't have to be an either or uh, you know i i don't even care about the order in which they ask about things but it should be a priority i i think that when a student athlete comes to campus a parent comes to campus with it with that student athlete. They have significant questions about NIL and money making uh, opportunities. I think that that's warranted. I think they should be asking those questions. If that's the only question they ask, then Tim, okay, I I, I get that. I get that being an issue, but for that to be a priority. That's the day and age that we live in, and I think that that schools have better be ready to deal. With with what Hunter had to say about about NIL, that was uh, you know it's it's not it's not very different. It's not as a matter of fact, it's not at all different from what I know he's been saying internally. And he's sort of given some indications, at least in press conferences going back to the tournament, that there were some NIL issues or there were some things that he was taking issue with as far as Michigan's NIL approach. Sam, I I couldn't agree more. I, I loved the interview. And I thought that Hunter was fantastic. He's smart, he's funny, he's insightful. And as an All-American and an All-Big Ten star, he now has the platform to speak his mind and people will listen. And, and Michigan has always built itself on, on forward thinkers, contrarian views. And, and so I am, I'm sure that there are some people that didn't like his comments at Michigan, but I thought that they were very insightful. Um, so I have to say that I don't completely agree with, with some of his NIL commentary. 
Um, but I respect his leadership and I, I would imagine he's shown a great deal of courage. There are probably a lot of other athletes that feel the way that he does. Um, I think some coaches probably agree with him too, but I do believe that, that when you think about, um, his vision and, and his, his word, he's a forward thinker and, and, and some of, some of his, his words are, are going to make people rethink NIL. So here's my thought. I, I do agree that Michigan's athletic department really appears to be moving slow and prudent. Um, they're watching the landscape of, of, you know, a brand new initiative. And, and I was thinking about the fact that, you know, Michigan's been around, founded in what, 18, I think 17. And they're regarded as one of the academic institutions that that's truly elite. The athletic department is a component of the big picture. And, and I promise they're going to move slow and not allow any controversy um, or, or mistakes to embarrass the integrity of the university. Now, Sam, I, I, I'm pretty certain that five years from now, Michigan is going to have a very specific policy that lays it all out but there's no way that that they're going to be out in the front of this thing. So you're going to have frustration and you probably over the next couple of years will lose some recruits that maybe you could have. I, I think it's going to be really a, a, a fascinating story, but I once again, believe that the NCAA has, has embarrassed itself in some ways. Um, you know, there, there just aren't enough rules NIL and transfer portal there needs to be specific rules that everybody follows. This is so broken down by, by states. And, and actually, I mean, high school athletes in California and North Carolina and New Jersey, high school guys can get NIL deals. And, and so it's just, it's just so inconsistent. Yeah, so I, I feel the need to, to first sort of unpack Hunter's uh, motivation because I think there might be some, some people – that will sort of take, like, what, what, what? Like I said, he has been very consistent uh, with what he said behind the scenes. He didn't say anything publicly that he hasn't said privately. That's number one. Number two, I think he is making a concerted effort to speak for more than just himself. I do believe that he's advocating for student athletes as a whole. I do believe that he's representing the, the thoughts and views of many coaches as well. If Hunter was was so disenchanted with with Michigan, so disillusioned with what Michigan is about. He could enter he could have entered the port. I mean, set the NBA aside. He had an option other than the NBA. Hunter Dickinson could easily go into the portal and put himself up to the highest NIL bidder if he if he didn't love Michigan. So that he's coming back in and of itself is a sign that he look, he loves Michigan. This is about, I think it's truly about, for him, what does the future hold for the program and the institution that he loves? I really, truly believe that that's a large part of his motivation because you heard him say, hey, if they don't change, you're going to see them not get top 10 players. They're not get top transfers. That's going to be a consequence of this, which has nothing to do with Hunter. Hunter's going to be long gone mm -hmm. by the time. Even if there's a policy change, does it benefit Hunter? as much as it's going to benefit those who come after him. So I really think as you, you know, sort of, I mean, there are going to be some people who go back and listen to those comments. 
kind of keep that in mind. That was one of my real takeaways, having spoken to him before and speaking to other student athletes, that I know that it's about that for him. Now, the other side of this, Tim, is there are, you know, the gap between what Michigan is doing and what he and other student athletes want them to do is so wide because I think that there is there are two things. The, the perception of what they can do is out, of, is out of whack. And then I do think that Michigan is taking a very conservative, deliberate sort of uh, approach to how they enter this space. Like you said, I think they're being very careful and very measured about it. I think that you see some things out there that are being done that Michigan could do. Michigan State, just just by comparison, you you know right here in state, Michigan State is paying every student athlete $6,000. Now, you know, it seems like chump change compared to $400,000 for Nigel Pack, right? But that that's an example of something that is being done elsewhere that is that is different or or more than what Michigan is doing right now. So there are some things that's just an example of something that they can do uh, that they haven't done. Now, can they go out and get deals for their student athletes? You know, hey, I'm going to go talk to Tim McCormick Incorporated. Tim, you do this deal with Hunter. That Legally, they cannot do that. Are there some 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 ways in which you can put student athlete with uh you know potential nil uh investor so to speak or you know nil uh benefactor yeah i mean i think that that's what that's what the uh, the influencer uh deal is all about what this this platform that they put together is all about you got valiant that is sort of an indirect sort of connection to michigan there are things that are being put in place, I'm sure student athletes would say, well, hey, you know, I see X, Y, and Z going on elsewhere. You know, could, could there be more along the lines of what they're doing with Influencer and Valiant? One of the things I've thrown out there, Tim, I don't know, what what's the difference between a job fair, like you see engineering majors have and, you know, social work. I mean, they, there, there are job fairs going on on campuses all the time. What's the difference between that and an NIL fair? where you have NIL benefactors and student athletes going booth. That's not you putting them with a specific student athlete, but that is facilitating meetings in, in more of a, in a more substantial way than maybe we see with the apps. I don't even know if that's possible, right? But I'm throwing that out there as a sign of, of, of thinking outside the box, thinking, that forward thinking that you're talking about that might appease some of the discontent that is out there among student athletes that who feel like, hey, I see how elsewhere it really feels like these institutions are bending over backwards to try to do more. I want to at least feel like Michigan is trying to do more. Now, they don't know what Michigan is doing behind the scenes. They don't know if they're considering X, Y, Z deal, but I bet you they are. And so do do you inform them more? Do you include them more in that process? I think the information gap is a part of this too, to sort of let them know, look, we're trying. And, and maybe there's some things that we are that are right on the horizon. I think the communication on it would, would go a long way to maybe appeasing some of the discontent that's out there. This is such a multifaceted story. 
and it's confusing. I've talked to people at Michigan. I've talked to people that are working with some of the outside groups. I've spoken to athletes and everybody is just searching. And I, I, I think that it's, it's really wise of Michigan to not allow a blank check type of scenario where, where guys are, are just out there on the loose. And, and I, I do applaud Hunter because I do think he probably has a buddy that's a gymnast and he knows somebody on the track team and, and he wants everybody to get compensated. But I, I don't know if this is going too far of a direction to the side, but one of my big concerns for the athletes, and I'll, I'll try to be brief on this, is that you know you have an athlete that has access to massive amounts of money at 18 or 19 years old. You know They have no experience with managing money. Uh, do they understand tax consequences? I, I don't know. You've got family and friends that feel like they hit the lottery. Um, it's very hard to say no. Um, you know, do they have a long-term vision? Do they understand about investing? And and are they mature enough to to keep that hunger and drive after they 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 just received a big check from somebody? Um, and and. Are they going to have a chance, as good a chance, to get to the next level? I know that when I was in college, I didn't have, you know, I, I didn't have any money, and and I I was very focused on trying to see how far I could take my career, and 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 I look back on it, the, the hope is that at 30 years of age, these guys are going to have maybe a wife and a couple of kids, and you want to be able to buy a house. Is any of that money? even going to be around? That's another question that I have and I worry about all of these young guys. We've seen millionaires um, that that won through the lottery. And what happens? The vast majority of them go bankrupt because they, they come from a place where they didn't have any money. And so that's something else that I think is really a concern, Sam. No, I think it's a great, I think it's a great point. And frankly, I think it's the responsibility of, of the programs, the coaches, the institutions, uh, to have education along those lines, uh, to inform them about, uh, you know, tax liability and, and investing your money. That is, that is, that should be part of the fabric. Just like I said, when we were talking earlier about how, look, expect for NIL, NIL should be something that as parents and student athletes are coming on campus, that should be something they expect to hear about. It shouldn't be the only thing. Like to me, that's a red flag. If, Someone comes around and their only their only interest is NIL, then that might not be. I, I could see how an institution, how a coach would say, you know what, that 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 prospect is not for me. But any prospect who asks about NIL is not shouldn't be disqualified because to me, I think it's the response. But that that is a part of the consideration now. It, it, one of the one of the parts of the consi consideration now. Now now for me. As we talk about, and you use, we were talking about Pandora's box here. Listen, as coaches get out on the recruiting trail, and I, I think this is where you really have to, you really have to be um, clear with the coaches about where you are, what your strategy is, right? Because they are competing against other programs who are, it's the Wild West of, of NIL. And as we talk to prospects about Michigan and what they're saying about NIL, it's more of a wait and see uh, as far as what more beyond what they're doing now that they're going to do. Like they have influencer 
uh, valiance around as a, as a representative entity, but you got student athletes saying, is there anything else? Are there, are there ways in which, you know, the, the programs can, uh, can put the student athlete in position to get more deals and that kind of thing. Well, coaches are in, in a position where they are saying they don't know, and that does put them behind. So, you know, the, the pace of it is a thing. The communication of it is a thing. But it's also, I think, to your point, Tim, and, and why you can't go. You, If you're going 30, you can't go to 80 because you see what happened. We talked about Nigel Pack, 400,000 a year. Then Isaiah Wong comes right after that and says, if I don't get what Nigel Pack just got, I'm out the door. And I, you can't find me a, find me a coach that's okay with that. Like, I don't know any coach that's like, yeah, that's fine. That's, you know, more more where that came from. And they're represented by the same guy. It was like, you know, you got the same representative sort of way putting one deal versus the other, holding it over the head of the, the NIL benefactor. The NIL benefactor said, I don't renegotiate. He could go someplace else, basically determining the future of the program. You don't want that. That's one of the reasons why I think a, a deliberate pace is advisable here, but being a little more proactive in this thing, at least at least in the communication or at least in the idea exchange. You know, this is what I think is ahead for the NCAA, Tim, is you come up with a rule book. You can't come up with a rule book without the student athletes sitting at the table. And for no other reason than having them understand the why, right? Uh, Otherwise, you're going to get sued. I feel the same way about NIL. And that's on an institution-by-institution basis. As you come up with NIL policy, it's important for them to have a a seat at the table while the discussion of what you're going to do are going on so they at least understand the why. If you aren't doing what they're doing at Miami, let them know why. Let them know why. Let them know it's not you just dragging your feet. Otherwise, you leave it to their imagination the why, and you don't want to do that, in my opinion. Sam, I I um, I don't think I've ever seen college basketball in such a precarious, messy situation. Um, the NIL has has no ability to, to resolve itself right now. Um, there are 1,500 players that are in the transfer portal, portal right now looking. They're like Dorothy heading to Oz. They're expecting it to be beautiful and everything is going to be wonderful and all our problems will be gone. 1,500 players and a lot of them are not going to find a soft landing spot. Um, I think that it's clouding the judgment of players. I talked to a coach this week and he shared a story about one of his players that came and said, coach, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm going to leave, but I'm going to go into the portal because I want to get out there and just see what options I have available. And the coach said, if you step out the door, you can't come back. And he said, I'm teaching you a lesson right now because 10 years from now, you might have a beautiful wife. She's awesome. You love her. And one day she might come to you and say, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to leave this marriage, but I, it, it's in my best interest just to see what's out there. I'm going to go meet some other guys. And, 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 and if I don't find anything better, I'll come back. You know, when you make a commitment, you stick with your commitment. You, you know, I, I want to see the players get compensated. and I want them to have freedom. But the players need to have some reality that 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 it's not real life. People are not going to be writing blank checks for you when you leave school. It's something to think about now. 
Yeah, and, and and to your further to your point, I, I mean, look, you know me, been advocating for more compensation from the get go. I think the the amateurism model was was a control, a control to keep labor in place. While you see big checks being written elsewhere, and that's a, that's a big problem for a lot of people is that the big checks are being more spread out now. But even those that that are like me that have been feeling like student athletes need to be compensated better. You see, you see the pitfalls in what's going on currently. I mean, it's not just that you, you got NIL business people you know, influencing whether a student athlete goes or stays. It's that they can be a they can have a direct hand in poaching other institutions. Hey, you got oh coach, you got a hole at point guard. I could I can say, hey, I'm putting four hundred thousand dollars up and I'm gonna go and see who we can get. Who, maybe it's a guy who wasn't even interested in going into the portal and you're poaching. Now, that kind of thing is really going on. I mean, a story I heard, for instance, not necessarily along those lines, but in it, sort of in the shop around way, there was a, a Midlands region prospect who was looking at programs uh, in the Midwest. And there were a couple of programs in the Midwest that were going back and forth. I heard 300,000 was was being tossed or 250, 300 is being tossed around. And then that same prospect winds up going down in the South for a number bigger than that. You know, that's the kind of game that's being played right now. Do you really want to play that? You know, how do you how do you put some control over there to make sure there isn't poaching, to make sure that the influence of of NIL benefactors isn't isn't being as disruptive to to continuity? If a student athlete is just interested in going elsewhere, that's fine. But to have someone going in and actively trying to pull someone out, I don't think anyone really, really wants that. I think another consequence is you're going to see coaches getting out the game. Like I talked to some coaches and they're like, man, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this anymore with the way this is going. So it, it, you're right. NCAA asleep at the wheel is going to take a lot to to at least put some 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 order, bring some order to this chaos. Yeah. And, and we haven't even talked about transfer portal in depth we haven't talked about the comings and goings but one last point this is going to put a huge emphasis again on recruiting high school kids and the reason i say that i believe that that there are coaches out there who said why am i going to recruit a high school kid because if he's any good he's going to leave and if he's not good well i don't want him well high school recruiting is going to get more important because the more homes that you sit in front of parents and kids and get to know them and build that relationship when it's almost over you can say look i know i know you may not come to my school now but <laughs> remember me two years down the road because i like your game and you can help us and you know just to keep that relationship going i think that's something to keep an eye on it is a great point but you mentioned comings and goings you know we got the news that frankie frankie collins is uh, in the transfer portal and tim uh I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I had been hearing some rumblings about, uh, you know, Frankie being disenchanted uh, with his playing time during the season. Those that talk seemed to die down uh, a lot as his playing time increased. But then I started hearing those same rumblings again when we remember we were talking about Sam Sessoms. I heard when when the Sam Sessoms talk, even though Juwan hadn't spoken to Sam Sessoms, just being attached to Sessoms in in media reports, I started hearing that that was. That was causing some angst. And as soon as I heard that, I said, hey, I wouldn't be surprised, especially with Michigan being very active in the portal. I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up seeing 
Frankie enter the portal, and here we are. Hey, you mentioned that a while back. Um, that was a good call on your part. And I, in no, in no way, am I saying that Frankie Collins leaving is a positive. Um, but, but there's an opportunity now for Michigan to upgrade that position. And look, I, I, I want to wish Frankie Collins the best of luck. I really enjoyed watching him play. But here's the truth: Michigan basketball has two major concerns in my mind uh, as you move forward. Number one, really young guards. You know, Doug McDaniel. And, and Frankie Collins have not experienced massive success at the Big Ten level. They're both very small. And the other issue is that, that they're not good shooters. You can paint it however you want. Frankie Collins is not a good shooter. He was not a good shooter when I saw him in the fall. He's not a good shooter now. And, and so he's also 6'1". Small guards have a, a problem in the Big Ten. 17% from three that's an issue and he's predominantly a right-hand driver he got figured out a little bit and if you look at the course of the season he um i think it was early in the year he had i think eight points versus san diego state he was good in the ncaa tournament against colorado state and that's a big reason they won that game other than that he had no games over six points other than those two and so if your backcourt next year was going to be Collins and Kobe Bufkin, those guys, listen to these numbers, 11 for 54 from three. That's 20%. And Michigan was in the lower half of every three-point shooting category. They need to upgrade. And Sam, maybe this is the biggest point. On June 13th, all these NBA players, and there's a couple hundred of them that put their name into the NBA draft combine list. A lot of them are going to say, okay, I'm not hearing what I need to hear. I'm coming back to school. I need to find a college. Michigan is going to have a scholarship in their hand, and they're going to be very happy about that option. So what do you think about the addition of Jalen Llewellyn? Uh, Princeton transfer. Uh, I, I imagine that if Frankie had stayed, that Jalen Llewellyn would have been the the new version of Eli Brooks. But now, obviously, the ball is, you know, he's the lead guard for this team uh, at this point. What do you think about the addition of Jalen Llewellyn? Well, let, let's go back in time when when the season ended. It might have been a month and a half ago. Uh, I, I took a deep dive into the transfer portal, and and I brought up the names of, of some guys that, that were hot names. Adam Miller from LSU, Courtney Ramey from Texas, uh, Andre Corbello, which I think was a long shot. You mentioned Sam Sesson. Sesum. I, I, I saw all those names, but I, I shared a name with you that I really liked from watching his tape and from understanding where he's coming from. That's Jalen Llewellyn. He's the guy I liked right from the start. He's a combo guard, so he can play point guard or he can play shooting guard. He's from an academic school. Um, so you don't have to worry about trying to have credits transfer. He's a grad student. He's already done. And I think he's going to appreciate um, a, a master's degree from the University of Michigan. Uh, I like the fact that he was a really good post-entry player when I watched his film. We need somebody that can get the ball inside. So I think he's a great fit. And I seriously doubt that Michigan goes into next year without adding another point guard or combo guard from somewhere. Yeah, I definitely expect to see that be something that comes up here in the coming days and weeks 
to see if they can round out the roster more uh, in the backcourt. Because, boy, at this point, with no returning uh, lead guard from last season, uh, no one that has experience in the system, experience with uh, the other players on the roster, I mean, it, it, you know, it sort of reminds me at least at least a little bit of the scenario that they had a few years back when Jerron Simmons came in and Eli Brooks came in. And then you had X here. X was at least a guy that had been around, uh, but the other two didn't have any uh, interest or any experience in the in the scheme. And there was some question as to whether or not X was going to be able to be, you know, a, a front man. For the team, so they had three different options. Now, wound up being X uh, to me. That's where you want to be uh, this time around to have as many options as possible with so much uncertainty uh, at that position. So, I expect, like you, for them to be active and trying to add another piece to the puzzle. But we will talk about that and more in the coming days and weeks, Tim. Uh, this one. You got to love Hunter, man. Uh, he keeps it interesting with us. And for him to be with us on video for the first time, he certainly came with it and appreciate him spending time with us. And hopefully all the folks really enjoyed the Michigan Basketball Insider. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find it. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and, of course, now here on YouTube. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.